not heroes. It's just a podcast. We're not heroes. We're doing this for fun. We're not heroes. It's just a podcast. We're not heroes. What are you fucking dumb? Good morning and welcome to welcome back to Chatman <laughs> and Robin. I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bird. And we've been gone for like a month or more at this point. Quite a while. I think <clears throat> I think in this case, it was mostly just sheer laziness. I was gonna try and come up with an elaborate um, I disagree with that. What do you think okay. it was? <sighs> Why have we been gone um, for ages I think on we've ages? Just been really busy. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I've been super busy. Oh well, I feel like I've been super busy. Mm. So any at any rate, we are back. So we got five weeks to catch up on. Tell us, Bird, how were your last five weeks? <gasps> uh, you know, <laughs> that was Chapman and Robin, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. <clears throat> um, what have you been doing for the last? I mean, working, working. Yeah, working. We all, it's always working. Working, but. working, 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 working. Uh, roller derby. Okay, tell Two us about, a week. how's roller derby going? Pretty well. Yeah? Um, yeah. I, uh, I got to test on the minimum required skills and passed a bunch of those. Um, but I'm also being trained to NSO, which is a non-skating, non-skating official. official. I'm going to um, take over the penalty box mm. from the previous gal she's training me because she's hoping to pass her msrs and what's msrs msrs minimum skating requirements, requirements I think. <coughs> oh so um, the lady who's doing the penalty box stuff right now wants to be a derby she wants to be about a skater player. a bouting player right. all this terminology i'm not familiar <laughs> with it at all uh, <coughs> well, that's cool so yeah, so she's training me to do everything mm. so that I can take over for her, and that's... Well, we haven't really had a lot of time to do that, but um, this Friday, Saturday, Sunday... Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. Uh, a player from elsewhere, I'm not entirely sure where she's from, called Jackie Daniels is coming into town where... Paying her to do like a uh, like a little training camp with her team, and it's open to the public and stuff. Okay. Um, but they're scrimmaging on Sunday, so I'm gonna get to finally try everything out, try and run the box. Oh, do, do on well. Sunday. <laughs> oh, I want to be there when you try and run the run box. Run the box. Um, <clears throat> but you uh, you you said you're trying all of your skill, like you're oh you're gonna do like a practice. Yeah, they're gonna thing? they're gonna for real scrimmage, and we're gonna have refs there and everything. Okay, cool. and then once bouts start happening, April eleventh and on, mm. um, I will be in the box <coughs> for real bouts. Yeah, you'll be. In I kind of I kind of want a shirt that says "Welcome to my box" or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you settle on a derby name yet? We had a lot of... No. Uh, I don't know if we talked about derby names, but we had some r- real good front runners as Bird was trying to figure out her derby name. Um, no, I think I had my... No she had... Well, I mean, the ones that I remember, my favorite, my all-time favorite is Bird Reynolds, which I know she's like, that's silly. It's is so, that still no, going to be so funny? it's so funny right now. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, 
the average age of a derby skater is like yeah. 35 to 40. What are you doing? The reason I keep putting my hand behind my microphone like this is when I, my hand is away in my headphones, because we're recording in a new fashion. We're recording straight into GarageBand right now. Right. Because <clears throat> that's, that's kind of why I got this this uh, electronic interface. Well, this is some tech talk for those of you at home who are new, <laughs> new to podcasting. But They're like, boring. We plugged every I plug everything into this electronic interface, and I used to run it straight into my just my recorder there, yeah the- <laughs> and that's how we would podcast now we're going into garage band and for whatever reason your mic is fine when you talk mm-hmm. it just sounds normal when i'm talking though i can hear like a second me in my ears i'm not oh, sure like a little bit of an echo or it's something? like a tiny bit of reverb but if you look at like the controls it's got no effects on it i took all of the reverb and echo and all that crap off and it kind of so goes. So do you need some sort of shield or something? I think a, a little bit. Like it goes away, sort of, when I put my hands around the mic or mm-hmm. behind the mic. But it's. I mean, it's still kind of present. Anyway, it, we're just working out, working out the bugs of the new system right okay. now. So I'm just as you're talking, I'm like over here swinging my arms. <laughs> yeah, I'm around. like what? Been <laughs> peekaboo with my mic. So well, is Bird Reynolds, which I love right. because because then she could wear a fake mustache. <laughs> And she could bomb around every, like, her, her entrance music. I don't know. In my head, Derby's, like, WWE. And, like, you know, like, at the beginning of the bout in the tiny gymnasium where you guys are, like, uh, they're, like, ladies and gentlemen, this is the night of all the, you know, like, blah, 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 and do a huge uh, announcing. Okay. And then there's, like, um, you could have the theme from Smokey and the Bandit play really loud and, like, all the fucking pyrotechnics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You do east, yeah. Like you're gonna you, be so disappointed. You when come you go to skating first down the ramp, just fucking slapping hands on both sides, and eastbound and down is playing <laughs> super loud. <laughs> and uh, like right as you get to the end, um, oh well, crap! What was it you said earlier? Um, something bean. What was it? Shinto bean. Shinto bean. <laughs> Shinto. Shinto bean. The half Japanese, half Hispanic roller derby girl. Shinto bean. <laughs> You get to the bottom of the ramp, she fucking rails you with a chair in the head. The crowd goes crazy. The answer's like, oh, as God is my witness, she has broken that woman in half. Stole that from uh, WrestleMania where uh, the Undertaker throws McFoley off of the top of a cage. You ever see that? I have never watched WWE, WWF. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, WWE... WWF, even though it's the same organization, there was something more outlaw about WWF. A little bit more violent, kind of scary. You know what I mean? Probably not as regulated because it was young, newer. Oh yeah. man, yeah, Lane, you can't hit in the head with metal chairs anymore. Did they literally do that? Yeah. It wasn't. They didn't pull it at all. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, the the whole thing about why did anybody ever think that was, was okay i was listening to a really good interview with um chris dumb. chris jericho he's a he's a awesome well i think he is currently the villain he's he was is either currently or was very recently the like main villain of the wwe i think he was a villain back in the 2008 or 9 or something like that but you know how it works basically no i have no idea all right well outside of all of the like fake fighting Okay. There's like you you all of these wrestlers play characters. Right. So like they're they're acting. They they like stay in character and play these people. Do the 
people in the audience realize this? It depends. I mean, it, it is, it's escapism at its best, you know, so, like, some people maybe don't want to realize it. Or, I mean, and I, I think on some level, everybody gets that it's it's a it's, it's a fake. it's a performance it's, a it's an interesting okay. show but like you know the and characters change as they're needed to tell the overall narrative of WWE so like Chris Jericho when he first came in was a good guy mm-hmm. he was like this like like warrior god type dude um and like and it turns out the guy himself is actually like a, a christian from way back like grew up christian and stuff and he remember what actually motivated him to become a wrestler was his congregation laughing at him when the they stood him up, and the pastor was like, uh, "Young Chris here is gonna go up to Canada and become a wrestler," and everyone laughed, and he was like, "Oh, motherfucker!" So, that's so sad, <laughs> right? Aww. Um, but you know he's now like one of the higher paid. So he's like, "Suck it!" Exactly, he's like, "Suck it, God!" But really, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, he he came in and he was like a good guy, and he was fighting Undertaker and Kane and and the other people who were villains at the time. But his character changes. You know, your when they need you to be bad, they make you bad. Triple H was like the people's hero for a long time. Like, everybody loved Triple H. He was so cool, and he was awesome, and he represented all that was good, and blah, blah, blah. I remember liking... What do the H's stand for? I have no fucking idea. Oh. I remember liking him uh, back when I was hanging out with Jared as a little kid, like, mm-hmm. age 9, 10. I would used to watch all the fights with Triple H, because he would just get fucking, like, so bloody. Because he had that, like, that long hair, and they always, like, their hair was always wet and shit. Mm-hmm. And he would do, like, uh, like... Like um, ladder matches, and he would do like What's no a holds bar match? match. A ladder match is where they hang a belt from the root, from the ceiling, like a belt, like a, a title. Belt. Oh, <laughs> they hang a belt from the ceiling, like, and then each the of them, hell? each of what them jerks doing? off while they're choking in the middle of the arena, and whoever comes first wins. And the other person <laughs> dies of autoerotic asphyxiation. WWF used to be pretty hardcore. They called it Monday Night Raw for a reason. Uh, but um, they hang the belt, and then mm-hmm. there's a bunch of ladders around, and whoever sets up a ladder, climbs the ladder, and grabs the belt first wins. But, of course, you're not going to just let the other guy set up his ladder, so they're constantly, like, setting up ladders, and they'll set ladders up on the ground and put the guy on ladders and then jump off a ladder onto the guy on ladders. A lot of it looks really fucked up. You're like, oh my god, how did he not just kill that man? So it was, it's a pretty interesting performance from time to time. Is the blood real? Uh, as I understand it, a lot, yes, mostly the blood is real. They do, they have little razors in their wristbands. And some people, really? yeah, some people will just sharpen a nail. And when they're on the ground, they'll cut their foreheads because scalp wounds bleed a ton. So, like, up near the hairline, they'll, like, actually, like, take a razor and cut themselves. What? <laughs> yeah, they'll take a razor and cut themselves and then put it back. And a lot of times when the... Man, re- bleeding for your art. A lot of times when the refs keep the other guy off of guy number one, so, mm-hmm. like, guy number one goes down and the ref will hold the other dude back. He's That's giving him time to, to cut his forehead and also... And then to put the razor away. And also to distract, to create a distraction. Because if this oh. guy and the ref are fighting... No uh-huh. one's looking at the dude who's doing nothing on the ground. Sure. So that gives him a chance to make the little cut and, like, sec- you know, secret the razor away and then stand back up and be like, oh, and oh, my God, there's blood all of a sudden all over him, you know? Actually, there's a really great movie. <laughs> so a, weird. A really great Hollywood movie about it called, um, 
it's, I think it's just called The Wrestler. It's got uh, Mickey Rourke in it. He was he was nominated for best mm-hmm. best actor for that movie. He played um, like a wrestler in the WWE whatever but he's he's in the outside leagues i can't there's the ones i'm familiar with are like wwe and now or and and wwf when i was younger but there's a lot of like peripheral like the minor leagues of wrestling that do the exact same thing and they tour around and they mostly play like high school gyms and like fairgrounds but that's where everyone gets started uh, even even Jericho started in a Canadian wrestling league that was like the minor leagues, you know. Uh-huh. Eventually, you get to the big stadiums and stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, man, how do we even get here? Oh, because I was. You think that's how roller derby is? <laughs> I was comparing derby to right. I forgot because just because I want east down or eastbound and down to be your your theme music oh as you God. skate around the rink, you're gonna have to really shine and become the best skater of all time just so they'll play that. Ha ha ha! But yeah, can you imagine? Bird wearing a cowboy hat and a mustache when she first comes in every time as Bird Reynolds. <coughs> Skating around the rink with a mustache on. That would be the fucking coolest thing Well, it's ever. so funny right now. It's funny forever. I don't know. Bert Reynolds is hes a legend. He will never go out of style. He is amazing. What happens when he dies? Then he'll be more famous. Everybody who's famous becomes more famous after they die. Do you know how much Amy Winehouse I listened to after she kicked off? Ugh. A fuck ton. And you know what? You know what how I found? much did I listen to before? Zero. Well, actually, how much yeah. did I listen to now? Zero. I listened to really not that much or none before she died, but after they like splattered it all over the fucking news, and they're like, Amy Winehouse died. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. But I started listening to some of the tracks they were playing, and I was like, ooh, I kind of like her voice. And then I like added Amy Winehouse to my rotation because I was like, damn, she sounds good. I only discovered her because she died. Not, and that's not to say that she wasn't famous. Just that, you know... I discovered her, you know. You weren't interested in that. No, I... Uh, 2A. Finish the sentence. Come on now. Coked up, bitch. Oh, (gasps) my God. All right, I'm going to try another thing with my mic. I'm going to switch it from (coughs) unidirectional to omnidirectional and see if that makes it better. It did. It made it a little bit better. Woo! All right. That's better. That's definitely better. Okay. Welcome back, folks. After that (laughs) short... Technical glitch. We went back to the old way of doing things. Um, GarageBand just was... I was getting, like, feedback loops of, of my own voice, and I couldn't hear anything, and... Uh, uh. I always thought it was weird that you wore the headphones, but I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> monitor in real time. If stuff is going wrong, going heinously wrong. Um, I don't know what the issue is there. My goal still, at this point... Bird slammed her finger in the door. I've got to... We're going to kiss it on air. Come here. Thank you. Ow. There you go. Um, oh, God. It's really killing you, isn't it? My goal still is to get a, a program on my computer that will allow me to plug straight in with this with this digital um, interface because then I could like it would be so much easier to go and podcast with Alan and Aaron if I didn't have to bring like, or anyone or anyone right ever if I didn't anywhere. have to bring like 55 as chunks as of as equipment to come and do a podcast um, you know I'd like to put together like a mobile podcasting kit and I think that is going to mean being able to plug straight into the computer GarageBand just isn't cutting it so mm-hmm. I guess I'm just going to have to get um, I'll have to do something you know are you, why are you sensually sucking on your finger in front mm. of me? Are you trying to excite I'm me, bro? I'm not. Well, you know, I squish it sideways. Now that we've switched platforms, 
I'm going to jump on my platform for a second and talk about Marlon. <laughs> it's my podcast, damn it. I can talk about what I want to. Um, and I kind of want to get your feedback and see what you think because you have been along. You've been oh, on this. Oh, is this the thing you wanted to talk to me about? No. Oh. Uh, this has been, you've been on this ride for like since we started it, right? Yeah. Well, Tyler is coming over today at three o'clock to start working on the color correction. Yay. So he's or not? Uh, yeah, color. He already did color, color correction. He's gonna do the color grade now. We're gonna go from raw footage to winter's bone. We're gonna go from <laughs> and go from raw footage to to shame. What's another? What are some other desaturated movies? We looked up mm-hmm. a bunch of them. Um, Girl with the dragon tattoo. Girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Which you still haven't seen. I haven't seen it. Oh no. my god, it's genius. Colin Firth is in it. He's so <gasps> fucking good. I like Colin Gary Firth. Oldman, Tom oh. Hardy. There's nothing about this cast not to love. You, oh, it's like this, this spy thriller. And actually, it's, it's. Have you seen the guy at the gym that looks like Tom Hardy? Yes, who wears the fucking Bane mask from time to time too. What? Those oh, oxygen, I've never seen it. He wears those oxygen regulating masks, which make you look like a douchebag. You know, I've like, never <sighs> seen him wear that. I'm doing workouts. I noticed the other mountain. day though that he kind of has a girl butt. A girl butt? What's a girl yeah. butt? I don't know. Like, I saw him working out from behind. And I was like, oh, is that one of those big lesbian chicks or, you know. Oh, my God. But then I realized that it was him. And I was like, oh, you have a girl butt. So just is a butt that, like, looks like a girl's butt? Or is it bu- bubbly or bootylicious? Well, or? yeah, it's probably got, like, it's probably really muscular. Right. But, I mean, he's wearing, like, these kind of heavy cotton capris. So, I mean, like, that didn't help. <laughs> his cotton capris and his Bane mask thinks he's hot shit. <laughs> so, I thought it was that one, like, really masculine lady. Mm. Um, I guess it was wrong of me to assume that they're all lesbians. What, super huge chicks can, like, yeah, no. like dudes too? Yeah, but they just seem very... Butchy. Mm, does butchy mean? I mean, do you think there are butchy straight chicks? Tomboys. Sure. Tomboys, right? I don't know. I don't know. I get like masculine, sexually aggressive. So straight women can't be sexually aggressive? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm kidding. And I don't. I don't okay, whatever. but he has a girl anyway, butt. He has a girl butt. butt. All right. Um, a little side story there. <laughs> Guy with a girl butt. How the fuck did we get there? I was talking Tom about Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Okay, I was like, wow. Like we went from like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy to like the the Bane Bane with a girl butt and Capri's. That was weird. Um, but yeah, well, we should watch that soon. Like I've been trying to get you to watch that. I've been talking with Matt a lot lately about Killer Joe. Because, holy fuck, the end of that movie. The movie, Killer, Killer Joe. Joe, with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that NC-17 one, right? Yeah, holy shit. Like, I watched the movie, and I was, like, sitting there, and I could not, for the life of me, figure out why it was rated NC-17. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really in that movie which would give it that rating, you know? there's right? There's, like, a few scenes early on which are kind of sexual in nature, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, maybe disturbingly sexual. Like, there's a... Uh, the, the girl herself is like 17, 18, 19, something like that. The actress or the, the actress, character? The character is like 18 or 19. She's mm-hmm. she's older. Mm-hmm. And she comes up behind Matthew McConaughey and they have been talking about her childhood and she like reaches around him and like grabs him and 
because that's what they're going to have sex like the whole scene you understand that sex is going to happen uh, but uh-huh. Matthew McConaughey goes how old are you right now and she goes 12 and he goes me too and then they have sex so I'm like that's a little that's hmm. a little strange but like nothing in there really like screamed NC-17 to me mm-hmm. until the last 15 minutes there is one scene in one house I have a front wedgie my my oh. fucking under these it's these it's it's the underwear that I always have where they like the, the fucking <laughs> front of them parts like the Red Sea opens up and then like my shit falls out <laughs> and then like because my shit is caught my, my shit my dick is caught in a pincer of cloth <laughs> I'm literally just pooping my pants and it's sliding out the front. But no, like, it's caught in that, you like... You crashed his panties. I mean, kind of. <laughs> these fucking stupid Hanes. Don't ever buy... Well, these things, hold on. Fruit of the Loom. Don't ever buy those fucking Fruit of the Loom boxer briefs. Because, like, yeah... It's like you know, like you. It's it's supposedly so you I've can. I've never worn crafted panties. I have no idea. Well, we'll get there. We'll we'll get oh. you there, baby. But like, there's it's supposed to be, you know so you can like unzip your fly and then pull your underwear apart so you don't have to pull your underwear down. But I don't sure. know a single fucking human being on the planet who like rips the front of their underwear open like a fucking woman in an old Victorian bodice ripper. Like, oh, take me, Jack. <laughs> Pulls all the buttons off. You know, <laughs> nobody does that. They all just pull the shit down. And piss that way, so these flaps on the front only exist to be defective and open at random times so your dick falls into your pants. God forbid your flies down, now you're a sex offender. And fucking, the, the cloth that has separated, once your dick is through it, it's like, oh, we better close up, the dick is free, and then you're like, your dick is getting scissored by this fucking cloth. I'm serious, these boxers are like the worst thing in the fucking world. So I've got like. Man, I never realized you had such problems. I have like cloth scissor dick going on over here, and that's why I'm digging around. It's not that I'm like, yeah, Matthew McConaughey is such a hottie. So like, yeah, looking at you like that's inappropriate. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's awful. It's awful. I'm gone. I mean, really. Why seriously. Why do you throw every single pair of it away? Because that's like twenty percent of my underwear. We could, I mean, we could go it's buy me more, more like Brazilian trunks. That's what I like. I like, I like high-end designer Brazilian trunks. Okay. Fuck yeah, dude. Those, that's like wearing nothing at all. A tight nothing at all. It makes everything look bulgy and good. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, so I've, I've successfully stuffed the rancor back into the pit, you know, ew. and uh, now oh, we're, now we're back. There. But at the end of, okay, so Killer Joe is the whole movie, the entire movie is like, oh, it's like pretty, it's okay. There's some stiff performances, but Matthew McConaughey is consistently great the whole way through. It mm-hmm. kind of watches like a play. Mm-hmm. It's like you're watching a play that they made into a movie, which is exactly what it was. Killer Joe was a play before it was a film. But oh. like, so I'm like watching it, and it's it's pretty good. And like, there's like an hour and twenty, and it, <laughs> and then suddenly the last fifteen minutes happens, and you realize why it's NC-17. If they would have just cut that last scene, which you can't, you absolutely can't. But like, if you take the movie up until the last fifteen minutes, it's like an R, mostly for language. Like, it's not nothing you haven't seen before. Sure. The last fifteen minutes, I you how many movies do I watch? A fucking A lot. lot. The last 15 minutes is nothing I have ever seen before in my life. It blew my head completely open, and I had to watch it again right when I was done. Just the end? Just the end. I just watched the last 15 minutes. It's one of the most fucked up, brilliant, incredible performances ever. McConaughey is... More so than, like, um, 
nymphomaniac yes or yes far and away really more extreme than nymphomaniac <laughs> antichrist beyond antichrist what it's it's I'm not going to hit tip you off, but if you will watch Killer Joe, you just tell me. Any day you want to watch Killer Joe, oh, I will okay. spin that fucking movie. Oh my god, the last... Go spin it. <laughs> I will... Chicka, chicka. That last 15 <laughs> minutes, I'll just slow-mo it, dude. That It's crazy good. Okay. Um, But yeah, I don't remember why I was talking about anyway, Killer Joe. Anyway, you and Matt were talking about me and, it. Yeah, me and Matt have been quoting Killer Joe back and forth. Because oh, he's like, I was like, you got to watch Killer Joe. And he's like, all right, all right, I'll take a look at it. And he finally watched it uh, like three or four or five days after I gave it to him. And he comes to work and he's like, watch Killer Joe last night. That is a, that's a fucked up movie, Max. <laughs> he's like, that was like, but Conahay's like, that's nothing I've, that was like nothing I've ever seen. I was like, I know, right? Oh my God. You, it's like, there's a club. How did we get on this topic? Um, we were talking about, uh. It's funny how we all, we constantly lose track of. How, how, how did we, got, we get here? How did we get to Killer Joe? We were talking yeah. about um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy because I wanted to talk about Marlin's color correction becoming a color grade so that it looks desaturated. We're right. trying to think of other desaturated films. Does Killer mm. Joe look like that? Or well, is it just like, pretty, oh, movie? Ooh. Killer Joe is relatively saturated. I, it might just be movie. But anyway. Hmm. Um, okay, whatever. There's like a club of people. Mm-hmm. You can tell it's like something changes. It's like after you've killed a man, everyone can see it in your eyes. If you if you <gasps> like movies, you can spot who has seen Killer Joe because they treat movies totally different afterwards, man. It's fucking nuts. It's really good. I would rec- I would highly recommend Killer Joe. Turn my mic to everybody out in the world. Um, you know, just if you're an adult, a mature adult who can handle a lot of really fucking weird, fucked up, horrible, but hilarious shit. It's a black comedy. Oh, um, okay. It's it's a lot of people <laughs> when they watched it thought it was like a, the weirdest drama they'd ever seen, but it's not. You just really have to understand that kind of humor. Like there's a, there's a scene. It's your movie. It's your movie <laughs> to a T. There's a scene early on when Joe is sitting down and with the little girl. I say little girl, but only because she acts infantile. She's actually a teenager, <laughs> but she's he's a cop mm-hmm. who's also a hitman. He moonlights as a hitman oh, to make more money. Oh, right. I remember you telling me the The basic plot. plot. Yeah. She asks him, she's like, have you, she's like, have you ever, she's like, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Or asks him something like that. And he's like, mm-hmm. he, he describes a story where he goes, he responds to like a call, a domestic disturbance call, and he goes home and opens a door and some guy runs out and like land, screaming and lands on him. And she goes, and he goes, turns out he... His girlfriend had left him, so he lit his genitals on fire or something like that. And, Uh, like, the story, the way the scene plays out, (laughs) he doused his genitals in ladder fluid and lit him on fire to teach her a lesson. And she goes, was he all right? He goes, no. No, he was not all right. He lit his genitals on fire. (laughs) (laughs) like most people watching that would be like oh my god but like me watching it you Uh know if you have the right the right mindset if your brain works the right way everything in that movie is so funny it's ridiculous you're just like (laughs) little shadows on fire it's really fucking funny that movie is hysterically funny um but let yeah back to marlin sorry i that's i just imagined a burned hot dog (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the shot, they kind of get shrivelly 
you know, and black on the mm-hmm. outside. The outside gets really hard and crunchy. But the inside's just perfectly It's like cooked. cracks open. It's all squishy on the inside. Oh, when they split. Ooh, can you imagine a split dick? Ah, man. It's not the underwear anymore. Now it's just shriveling. Um, but yeah, we're doing, uh, we're doing the color grade on Marlin right now. Dan finally has uh, a current copy of both the movie and the soundtrack, so he's working on sound design. He's doing, he's cleaning up the audio and figuring out what's unsavable so we can do ADR. I have written all but two songs for the soundtrack. Cool. So the soundtrack is pretty much done. It looks like it's going to come out to be about 17 songs long, probably run an hour, which is good for all the people. What? I have lizard skin on my ankle. That is <laughs> gross. Cool, like scales. No more coffee for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost as bad as Mariah when she's not on her meds. You're just like popping all. I just blood. noticed it. Okay. Um, so the, uh, as far as a perk goes, people who ordered the soundtrack are going to get their money's worth. They're getting like a full album's length thing. Sweet. It's not going to be like a Hans Zimmer. Did you ever listen to some of Hans Zimmer's early scores? He would just like no. write. He would write one master track so that the producers or director could cut it up however they wanted. But the master track would only be like fifteen minutes or thirty minutes long. What? Yeah, you can't like he was writing like thirty minute scores for like two hour movies. Now he writes a full ass score like the Interstellar soundtrack. If you have, oh my god, go watch Interstellar if you haven't seen that fucking movie. It's amazing. Did you watch that with me? Nope. You didn't see Interstellar? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we're on the last three steps of making Marlin. Woo-hoo. Color once the color grade and denoising is done. Once we remove the noise, you know, remove denoising. The, yeah, is when that you, a technical term? It is when you shoot. Um, <laughs> do you hear my voice? It is. But when you shoot really dark, especially with cameras that where the sensors can't quite handle. I know it. what noise is. Okay, well we have some noisy scenes, but. Tyler has a program that just like it's it reminds me of the commercials like the uh, the the teeth whitening commercials where it, like sparkle effect goes past and the teeth are suddenly white and beautiful. He he showed me or he was telling me he's like, "Yeah, I did a wedding and shot it in low light with a a, um, a DSLR." And he's mm-hmm. like, "It was noisy and I'd put this denoiser on it and it was literally just like, you know, it took a second to render, but then it was like and all the noise was like gone." He's like it's Does like it just sort of like blur it's it like magic. Yeah, it gra- it goes in and grabs the the pixels that pixely parts or something mm-hmm. and kind of uh, 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 just like micro blurs mm-hmm. them. So mm-hmm. he's like everything starts to look like softer. Sure. But that's fine. A lot of Marlin looks soft anyway because there's so much smoke floating around oh, and shit. Okay. So he's like it just makes everything look like you're shooting on like a soft lens. But all the noise is gone. And I was like, sure. I'll take that in a fucking heartbeat. Hell yeah. I like soft cool. focus anyway. I'm a big old movie fan. Powder. It's called a powder filter. But um, yeah, so as soon as he's done with the denoising and the grade, which may, will make it look like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Did you see Tinker Tailor? No, I'm kidding. But uh, once he's done with the grade, we will probably have picture the grade? lock. The grade? Color grade is where you desaturate. Oh, right. I was thinking color correction. Again. No, once, yeah, it's, it's, we're going to do, like, we're going to desaturate everything. The color's done, so we just have to find the right saturation for everything. And he has a, he has a program that is designed to do nothing but do a color grade. Sweet. Yeah, so that'll make everything fast and easy. Bada bing, bada boom. Zippity, zippity, zippity. But, I don't know what that meant. (laughs) It's okay. Um, yeah, but after that's done, we will probably have picture lock. I'm really happy with this cut of the movie. What's so picture lock? picture lock means you're done with the video. Once you once you declare picture lock, that is your cut of the film. 
Um, now, once Dan's done with the audio design, the sound design, we might back, go back in and trim and cut and play things. a little bit, like lose a frame here, lose a frame there. But that's not what Picture Lock is. Picture Lock is that the first cut that you show to the test audiences. Mm. And then after that, based on their feedback, maybe you change some shit. I don't think I will change much. But after Tyler's done grading <laughs> the footage, we set the footage aside and just focus on audio. But um, conservative estimates right now... Dan is putting us in mid middle of May. Marlon will be done. Woo-hoo. Like for all of you at home, that's the first t- place I've ever said Year this. Year and a half. The, the first place I've ever said that. But in middle of May, well, making a feature was a lot bigger than it was in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I figured like, well, it'll be easy. We'll do this and this and this and this. Right. But if you want to do it right, we could have been done. I mean, pretty much. I could have just put on like basic audio fix effects on um, Final Cut. Pro. Yeah. Just done the basic audio fixes there. Kind of desaturated on my own. Like, I could have had the movie quote unquote done mm-hmm. maybe by, like before Christmas. Not even kidding, because I had a cut done by then. But if you want it done, if you want to do it right and make mm-hmm. it sound good and make it look good and make it like really sound good, sound is so crucial with indie film. I've been watching a lot of like little like indie movies that are, to give you an example of like what people are sending to, to, uh, Festivals, mm-hmm. a lot of the problems that I'm seeing with indie movies is audio. Uh-huh. Like they didn't take the time to do a good sound design and do ADR. They just fixed the boom audio that they had as best they could, probably in a video editing program. And you get a mm-hmm. lot of like, like here you you talk blah blah blah, and like blah, in the blah, background blah, you're like blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. Like a car or, or like a generator. We have generator in ours. Uh, so what he's going to do, what Dan's going to do is go out to the cabin, get a generator audio, and then he can use that to find the generator in the background and remove it. What? Or, or uh, the other thing he wanted to do is we were talking about it, and he's like, well, Marlon would need power, so he would have a generator. So in the scenes where there is no generator, he can put a, a tiny layer of generator in the background so that the stuff we can't take out sounds natural rather than like a fucking in the background, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven posted a really funny video to my wall and well, I'll try and post it under this one. It's the indi- it's the student film awards or the independent film awards. Mm-hmm. It's fake though. It's a it's a parody. And they're like they're like um and the award for least number of extras to show up to shoot a party scene and it's like a wide angle shot and there's like four people dancing in oh like a crazy party scene and then he's like um best use of inconsistent room noise and they, it's a it's over the shoulder shots and they cut to the girl and it's the audio is pristine it's just like jack you don't understand my sister loved you and they cut the, over the shoulder to jack and it was clearly uh-huh. a different take and he's like like in the you like in the background he's like you can't tell what he's saying cuz in the background it's just like it sounds like a fucking garbage disposal's running and stuff. And then they cut back to her and the audio's pristine again. The inconsistent cutting. Oh my god, it was so funny. You really you really should watch it. I'll post it. It's funny as fuck. But that's why Marlon took so long. Is I took the time to find the right people, which was shockingly easy. Everybody all the first person I go to almost always is like a fanatic who's willing to do anything to make the movie happen. Which is awesome, right? But uh I found the right people, and we're doing... A you don't have to sell me on We're it. doing a full... I'm just letting people at home know. We're doing a full sound design in Dolby 5.1 surround sound for my little indie movie. How fucking cool is that? Like, when we release it on, on DVD and on digital download, people with 
surround sound systems, mm-hmm. we'll be able to select that option and then listen to a, an immersive experience where like Marlon walks up behind you and then walks around the this thing or you can hear the radio behind you but the dialogue is coming from the mm-hmm. front like an actual immersive like marlin sound design how fucking cool is that <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just like i nerd i was just hoping that like you know like we'd be able to understand the actors that was my big goal and now we're and now we're gonna be able to hear like fucking you know like on anytime we do like weird echoey type shit it can echo from the front to the back and then back i mean it's gonna be cool as all hell um, should we talk about the fucking festival run fundraiser that we're going to do? Um, or should we just kind of... Well, you mentioned it. We might as well talk about right. it. Well, the th- here's the thing. Why we just start to kind of... To get the, get, the, the get it out there a little bit. Yep. Um, Marlon, we're, we're going to take it out to as many festivals as we can afford. As many festivals as humanly possible. I found a couple of good databases that really help you select the right festival for your film. And there's a bunch that we can submit to the problem is is festivals you know you can't submit you can't submit for free and it's not like a writing contest where the fee might be five dollars or twenty dollars most film festivals the standard entry fee is between like the low-end ones are like 35 but most of them are like 50 to 75 dollars a pop so if we wanted to take marlin to two festivals which is a pretty low number that would be a hundred dollars. So we're <coughs> we're going to run. Uh, we're going to do another little Indiegogo campaign. I'm going to put a, a, a donate button on the Quillen Film website. Cool. To raise money to submit to festivals. Um, we're hoping to take Marlon out to at least, or we're we're hoping to submit Marlon to at least ten. The, obviously, the more you submit to, the, the higher the your higher chance your chances of being accepted, of being accepted sure. somewhere are. Um, and especially because we're going to swing for the fences and try and get into Toronto Film Festival and South by Southwest and those sorts of film festivals that, where the fee is a little bit higher because, believe me, uh, this this is this is a good movie. <laughs> I think we have a shot at these, at these places. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to start working on a fundraiser uh, that will hopefully be up before March is done. We'll spend all of April raising money, and then we'll start submitting in May as soon as the movie's done. That's my my hope. But uh, we don't have a number in mind just yet. But I mean, we're probably gonna figure like it, we're hoping that we can raise at least a thousand dollars, which is yeah, that's pretty high. That's but, pretty high, yeah. But you know, if we could raise a thousand dollars, we can submit to at fifty bucks a pop. We can submit to twenty film festivals, which would be a huge festival run. That would be amazing if we could get Marlon out to twenty film festivals. And then the other thing is the more film festivals you get out to, even if you only screen at the film festival and you don't win any awards and you don't win any money, distributors go there. That's how they look mm, for mm-hmm. talent and look for projects and stuff. And So I don't really understand how the submitting to film festivals and that sort of thing works. If you send it out to 20 film festivals right. and... 12 of them accept accept it right does it play at all of those or do you have to pick one if of 12 of them accept it it depends on their rules a lot of film festivals want to have the premiere right so if you are if they play at that if you play at that film festival first and that's their rule then you you and you know i mean sometimes it makes more sense to like be like well if I don't premiere there, I can release it at these other six. If I premiere there, I can't release it anywhere. Mm. You know, you got to balance it that way. Sure. And uh, I've heard that a lot of film festivals are pretty 
pretty cool about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you can premiere it here and then be like, yeah, but it only premiered, it, like, it only showed at a film festival, so in that town, so no one in your town has seen it. Like, why don't mm-hmm. you guys, mm-hmm. you can sort of talk to them and work with them, especially if your movie has merit. Oh, that was weird. What the fuck just happened? Wow. Oh, I bump hmm. I bumped my headphone cord and it went from stereo to mono in my ears. We're having a lot of technical problems today, huh? We are. I think these it might part part of it might be these headphones. Like I've I've put a lot of use into them so far. But um yeah, so we're gonna try and raise money for the festival run and Ta-da! sell blood and sell all of our possessions and take this movie on the road. Except we know that you're not going to be selling blood because you're afraid. I'm afraid of, of So I'm going to be selling blood. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for letting me know that I'm doing. We have plenty of blood. Um, sorry. Um, so what do you feel? Are you feeling good about Marlon? Or are you just at this point like fuck this movie, fuck it? Or are you getting kind of excited now that we're getting pretty close? Um, yeah, I'm excited to be closing in. On the end. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take my headphones off. But oh, uh, well, I'm hot. I'm right. I'm I'm hot and I'm also very warm. <laughs> you wish. Oh, brutal! Ooh. God, I thought I was supposed to like snap. I thought, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the? Uh, Rob was telling me some really interesting shit about the airplane yesterday. Remember, Ooh. remember that crash? Yeah. I don't know if there's any new details just yet. They, fi- I know. Um, we're talking about the German Wings airplane that crashed yesterday. It's Wednesday today, the twenty fifth. Wednesday, the twenty fifth. Uh, German Wings airplane crashed yesterday in the French Alps. The French Alps, yeah, it cr- crashed yeah. in France, right? Yeah. It was a flight. It was a German flight to Spain, I think. Something like that. As I recall, it was. I think it was a German flight to Spain or a Spanish flight to Germany. I I missed it. Mostly, they were just showing footage of the of the wreckage. Right. Um, Rob, our friend Rob, is a. Uh, he was is. Was. Well, he's going, he's going back to, to do that job. Back. Yeah, he yeah. was a, a, a flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say stewardess. <laughs> I'm such an asshole. Oh, he's going he's to hate me if he ever listens to this. But um, he was a flight attendant. He was telling me some cool-ass stories. He's, he's got a thousand stories about I'm being sure. a flight attendant. Um, he worked for Southwest, mm-hmm. which in this household we're a little bit skeptical of southwest most mostly because of the kevin smith story but even kevin smith doesn't care that much about southwest anymore so i don't whatever i've flown them a couple times they're a pretty good airline um i think one of my flights i've been in a plane once Yay! and it, you loved it you totally <laughs> loved it um oh uh joe rogan was saying on the on his podcast the other day the joe rogan experience that if you ever want to have like a religious experience and like totally rethink your life eat a pot cookie and get on an airplane can you imagine? <laughs> no. Because it makes you, you know, pot, like, unless you're, like, totally in a safe, mellow place, it does make you a little bit paranoid. You're like, man, you know, like, an asteroid could just fall through the roof and kill me right now. So, like, can you imagine being in a plane and being like, there's just... We're going to just drop there's right just out of the aluminum. Air. Well, I mean, that's exactly what happened to the German Wings air flight, or the airline. But uh, Rob was telling me, the, the number they gave, the preliminary number they gave, was the plane dropped... 27,000 feet in eight minutes, which... I thought it was 32,000. That's the last number they gave. Right before I was leaving work, it said they dropped 32,000 feet in eight minutes, and they were that's flying... fucking insane. They were flying at 38,000 feet. 
So they dropped all but 6,000 feet of their total altitude in eight minutes. You know how long it took them to get to 38,000 feet? An hour. Rob? Shit. Yeah, So Rob, were they like G-forced to the top of a plane? Well, Rob says that in a typical takeoff situation, when you take off, it takes about an hour to get to cruising get height. To, yeah. Now, 38,000 feet, um, Rob says there are, everything I'm saying comes from my friend Rob. Rob H., I don't know if he wants me to say his last name, but if you're in Marquette and you you know Rob you H, you know the Rob. But there are twenty layers of planes. Be- what? There are twenty layers, like designated, like thousand foot layers. What the shit? Yeah, because okay, what they do is there's there's so many planes in the air at all sure. times that they schedule certain flights to certain heights so that they sure. don't smash into other flights. You know, like if you're going this way, you're on the Odd Man, I layers. guess I never realized how many airplanes. Yeah, are in the air all the time. Yeah. So Rob says thirty-eight thousand feet is usually reserved for mm-hmm. like transatlantic flights, flights over like nine hours, because that's a really high. That's about as high as you can fly. But that was just a short little flight. Why did they get so high? Well, they're they're crossing an ocean. They're flying across an ocean. So it's like when you're flying. When you're flying across an ocean or you're doing some sort of... Because that also puts you above ter- above weather a lot of times. Uh-huh. And I did one trans- two transatlantic flights. Obviously, I did more than one because I had to fly had to, to and back. from. But I did two transatlantic flights, and they were fucking terrifying. They were really calm for, like, long chunks of time, right? Mm-hmm. But the weather over the ocean is pretty, pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. So occasionally, the, you'd hear, like, the pilot come on and be like, uh-oh. All right, everybody, uh, let's put on our seatbelts because we're about to fly into... And then, like, before it even finished, you know, you'd hit an air turbulence, pocket. Sure. No, an air pocket. What's air pockets pocket? are way worse than turbulence. Turbulence is just, like, the plane's like... And you're like, whoa. Um, you know, like Rob was saying, you can do a lot with modern commercial airliners. They can handle turbulence no problem. Sure. He's like, you can fly them almost straight up if you need to, and you can point their nose almost straight down in order to lose altitude if you need to. They're mm. fucking tough. Sure, with but, the technology we have. Yeah. Right, so turbulence is just spooky because you're shaking. An uh-huh. air pocket is a, is a spot of, of basically what you can think of as dead air, uh-huh. where the plane no longer has any upward upward thrust so it just drops it's like there it's like if you were like skating if you were like on a skateboard right and then Uh someone just dropped the floor out from under you that's exactly what it's like so you're flying and then suddenly you get that that tickle belly sensation and you literally rise in your seat and shit that's on your trays comes up because the plane literally just Mm. just falls yeah until you fall out of the air pocket and then you keep going it's fucking scary and that happens do they have any um sensors or something to detect those or is it just like i don't know sometimes Um, you just hit these i think sometimes you just hit them the one that we is it just like a little low pressure high pressure pocket or something probably i mean i i wish i knew more about the the, Uh the physics of flight but what i imagine is because like the air rushing past the wing you know is what creates, is what creates lift. upward lift. Right. So maybe an air pocket is a spot where you have like heavy backwind, so there's mm-hmm. not much air passing over the wings, huh. or okay. something like that, or or a, a pressure system where there's not enough wind hitting your wing to give you lift, so you just fall until you get lift again, and then you fly. The one we hit a couple of them, but they were pretty small, just like mm-hmm. t- 
20 feet or something like that. So just be like, and you know, you fall for a second. You're like, boom. And then there's a boom and you keep flying. The biggest one we hit, I heard the pilot talking at the end. He was like, yeah, that was about 80 feet or 60, 80 feet. That was fucking scary. Yeah, you dropped? Yes. Oh. An air pocket of where we fell vertically, like 80 feet. Fucking scary, man. Because we like... So w- can you imagine falling 32,000 feet? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. But uh. like we fell, you know, we did the like... And like to the point where my butt... Because I was, I was kind of buckled in. But who wants to wear a seatbelt really tight? But like my ass was off the seat. And I was like, oh shit, this is it. We're going to die. Because I didn't know if I had air pockets. Because I didn't have Rob as a friend at that point. But like, boom, we just like fall. And you can hear a couple people would like just barely getting out the first like... Ah! And then like a heavy hit and we're like mm-hmm, keep flying and the captain's like a little bit of air pocket that was uh, that was exciting you know like because uh, he does this every day yeah, and it's so just everyone's like, like holy shit because it, it feels like the plane it's like suddenly flight no longer works mm-hmm. and you're just gonna fall like out of the of fucking sky it's terror yeah it's really scary um but rob was telling me on one of his transatlantic flights that he was on Mm-hmm. They hit an air pocket and fell 500 feet. They fell 500 vertical feet in an air pocket. And he, since he was doing beverage service when they hit it. Right. He is just like, he, he hit the ceiling. He's like, he floated up and hit the ceiling and was pinned to the ceiling while they fell. And then when they boom landed, he fell. They were listing slightly too because that's uh-huh. a long fall. Yeah. They hit air again and he fell to one side and landed on passengers because they had fallen. Think about right. that. Like, I fell. What happened to the beverage cart? Now, he, this is an interesting thing. Did you know the beverage cart is magnetically attached to the floor? What the shit? Because they hit air pockets oh and can't God. have these fucking heavy, heavy. <laughs> so it's like a super powerful magnetic connection. You can't get them off the floor unless you like neutralize uh. the magnetism because they are magnetized to the floor. All of the shit that's on them, the uh-huh. coffee pots and everything is magnetized, heavily magnetized to the cart. Are you fucking kidding me? No. So like Insane. when, so like when the plane falls, the cart can't raise and the coffee pot can't fly off and uh-huh. the cups, like the, the actual cups, not the little plastic cups, uh-huh. but like everything that's on the cart is heavily magnetically like sealed to the cart so that in the case of an air pocket or a uh-huh. huge fall, right, the cart won't go flying and kill someone because they're pretty heavy. Right. So it's like fucking like stuck to the floor. So they're like pushing it along. Do you ever notice how they don't roll? The carts never roll no. or even jostle. Oh, I've been a couple times on a plane. Watch the carts. Like you'll you'll like hit some turbulence and like the air, the person will be like whoa, but the cart stays still. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so he was saying that he, when they fell 500 feet, he went boom, hit the ceiling, uh-huh. and then they hit and he <laughs> fell on people and everyone was you know screaming of course because 500 feet is a long way to fall. That's fucking crazy. Like, that's, that's like, well, we're going to die falling, you know? Like, 80 feet was spooky, or 60 feet. I like to think it was 80, because I hope 60 feet wouldn't scare me, but 80 feet is terrifying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they fell 500 feet, and he's like, and he was saying, he's like, you know, he was, basically what he was doing was telling me, he went, when you go through flight attendant training, it's not uh-huh. just like, mind your P's and Q's and how you do this. They have you, they tell you, like, stuff about uh-huh. the planes. Like, sure. basically... Everybody in first class, there are natural break points on a plane so that when the plane crashes, it doesn't just crumple and kill everybody. It breaks into sections. Obviously, the wings are a break point in the point uh, in the case of an impact. Right. So that the wings don't just like 
crumple in. The wings break away and the fuselage breaks at like three major points. If you are sitting by one of those emergency exit doors, that's a break point. So if they're like, are you sure you understand the responsibilities? Just be like, I don't feel like I'm able to, to do that because you don't want to be there because you will die. If in an impact, in a fucking crash, I mean, you're probably going to die anyway. Like plane crashes are some serious shit. But that's a break point on a plane is where those doors are. Everybody in first class is going to die. That's the most likely place to die on in an air. Why? Because first class is like perfectly situated at the front break point of the plane. It's mm-hmm. the first thing to hit the ground, usually, when you're nose down. Mm-hmm. First class, after the pilots who are just almost always fucked. The first class is going to just destroy, and it's also a crush point. First class is a crush point. So fucking everybody in there is dead. First class, you're dead. Rob says the safest place to be is as far fucking back as possible. Almost huh. uh, almost all the like plane survivors were in the tail. They're in the tail. Hmm. So like, you know, oh, we're way in the back, and you're going to live if there's a fucking wreck. So <laughs> sit in the back. I mean, you might not live. Most Quit likely bitching. you won't live. Yeah, but like you're in the safest spot of the plane if you're in the tail, so... That's why a lot of the flight attendants, sometimes they sit behind the cabin, but sometimes in a big, big, big plane, there's also a flight attendant station in the back. That's where they go buckle up. <laughs> but, like, uh, I'm going to go be safe in the <laughs> back. First, first class, like, can have a gin and tonic. Be like, if you're still alive in 30 minutes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I know. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, Rob was saying, they, they run you, they don't just, yeah, like I said, they don't just run you through, like, how to serve. I actually <laughs> know a pilot. Pilot? Mm-hmm. I know a flight attendant. That's so much cooler. Oh, yeah? But uh, if... Jess's mom is flies really? 47s, yeah. I, that's, you know that's the most stressful job in America? That's the that They have the I highest can... stress ratings? I mean, that. they were... Uh, Rob was telling me that if you get... Um, I just crossed out airplane crash because we're talking about it. Um, they, they put him in... When he first became a flight attendant, they put you in a simulator. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you're sitting in your, your little jumper seat like you sit in when you're a flight attendant, and then they flip you upside down. Woo! They f- like, they flip the whole, like, it's a fake plane, and they yeah. flip everything upside down, and you have to unbuckle yourself, mm-hmm. which is really hard because when all, all your weight pressure, is on the buckle, yeah. yeah, you have to learn how to, like, unbuckle yourself and then get to the ceiling safely mm-hmm. so that you can go and assist passengers if need be like in a case of a rollover or if you crash and land upside down and somehow are not dead mm-hmm. but like part of their training is like boom, you're upside down get out and do stuff they put him in a like a wind tunnel or something mm-hmm. like that he said they, they strap you into a chair in a wind tunnel and then they simulate complete depressurization for like four seconds because you can't do it for very long because people die in depressurization. But just so you know what depressurization is like, it's like getting maced so that you can carry mace. Mm. If you're going to mm-hmm. try and be in a plane, you have, as a, uh, an employee, you have to know what depressurization is like. So they put them in a wind tunnel and they suck all the air out of the room for a second and then put it all back in. But he's like, it was the most fucking intense rush ever because you're sitting there and he's like... You know, you're just sitting and you're waiting, and then they suck all the air out, and you're like, and then they pop all the air back in, and you're like, (gasps) (laughs) you know, but like, dude, flight attendants are badasses, man. Like, the shit he's the shit he's saying, I'm like, that was part of your like training. He's like, oh yeah, they put you through the ringer. You can't just like go out there and be. You know, have a have a good personality and be able to pour a ginger ale. You know, you got to be able to like fucking not anymore anyway. 
unbuckle. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, now they should teach them all fucking Krav Maga with all <laughs> exactly. But uh, do you remember a couple weeks ago they showed footage of a guy who was trying to rush the cabin and a bunch of <laughs> passengers just like beat fuck the, you, man, beat the unholy fuck out of him. And he's just like sitting on the ground with his face all smashed in. Some dude's boot People, on like, his head, holding him down. Yeah, holy yeah. shit. Oh, don't try. I was like, serves you right, motherfucker. Yeah, rush the cabin, you fucking idiot. But um, yeah. So what Rob was saying is. On TV, on CNN, they show simulations from inside the cockpit. They're like, mm-hmm. the plane fell 32,000 feet in eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, to get to that height, it took him an hour. Boom. Uh, he showed me something. There was a, a plastic water bottle at 8,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And the cabin suffered depressurization. And the water bottle crushed itself at 8,000 feet. Because they pressurized the cabin to try and approximate sea level. So that's why the plane just... Disintegrated. So he's like, like, look, on TV, they'll show a full intact plane coming down, and then they try not to show the crash out of sensitivity for the families, but like at 5,000 feet, the plane is still intact on CNN. When they show it coming into the mountains, you're looking out through the cabin, through the windows, like, here's what the pilots would have seen. And he's like... In reality, like what we're always told is there's a couple things that could happen. Total engine total engine failure, a blowout, and total cabin depressurization would cause it to drop that fast, mm-hmm. and a complete electrical failure. Like all redundancies just fail. Because then the plane is just dead weight in the air. Yeah, just... So he said that that plane disintegrated before it hit the ground. He said everybody was dead after it fell for eight minutes. He's like everyone on the plane was dead in four. Because the cabin depressurizing that fast, they don't say it on CNN because the, of the families and stuff, but all of those people basically exploded because of rapid depressurization. 150 people blew up in the plane, and then the plane dissolved over the mountain. Like if they suddenly were dropped into like deep, deep well, ocean, they, they just like crush inwards. Well, they like- actually proved that you can swim as long as you don't have an external breath source. You can swim as deep as you want and won't be crushed. Because your lungs compress, what what actually crushes? I mean, you can't obviously I mean, like super super deep, deep ocean. ocean. Yeah, Duh. they they sh- like um they, it's the thing they always say. If you took somebody on the summit of Everest and then transported them to sea level immediately, like if you could teleport, mm-hmm. they would die. And if you vice versa, yeah. they would die because of the differing pressures, right? And also because of air density. But like if you were on Everest or the Sherpas in the middle of Everest, do you know mm-hmm. the Sherpas? live on a village about halfway up Everest. There's actually what? a village. I know, isn't that fucking nuts? Anyway, why? if you like teleported them to sea level, they would die because the oxygen is too rich and the pressure's too low. So they'd be like, Ugh, you know? Huh. So, um, the pressure's too high? I can't remember. But... Too high. Because the air gets thinner. Right, right. The, so the pressure's too high on the... on, Yeah, on... Okay. So... Basically, the plane's falling, and at like it, it starts. To, yeah, like if it's falling that fast, in like crazy rapid depressurization would cause a hull blowout, where like one of the breakpoints or weak points would just mm-hmm. because. So it explodes outward, not inward. Um. But yeah, because it's it pressurized. It would crumple in. It, oh, so it like, goes out. Well, it's it's d- rapid depressurization means that there's a, a hull breach and all of the pressure in the cabin goes out. So as you go down super fast, rapid depressurization would basically like crush everybody inside and like 
they would all just kind of blow up and be dead. And then the plane would blow up as well. So that's why when the pilots and the, of the helicopters went up, they're like, this plane just completely disintegrated. Mm-hmm. It, you can't really see in all the footage they show, there's no real like, major impact. There's no crater from this giant plane. It's just, it's just debris everywhere because the plane probably, according to Rob, broke up in the air and just rained down on the mountain because of such cr- that's that's like mm-hmm. 32,000 feet in 8 minutes is like free fall. It's the mm-hmm. most insane horrible thing that can happen to a plane because the plane can't withstand it. Mm-hmm. It just if you're crashing kind of slow and the pilots are bringing it in on an arc and you fucking win a field, you know, that's shitty still, but at least you got a chance, but if you just free fall the the pressure changes don't allow you to survive basically so that's apparently what happened hmm. with that plane i mean I, this is you know secondhand Ooh. from from a train flight attendant who knows some shit and has seen some shit but yeah so yeah. that that plane is well at least what, it was what was the death toll quick. so uh, i've heard everything i've heard 152 i heard 148 the last number i saw was 148 including two babies they always are like there was babies on the plane and i'm like well but uh maybe i should cut that out huh but um that's pretty bad especially because that happened yesterday i'm gonna get time 46 45 yeah so i just cut out a joke because that was just super tasteless it was really bad but um that's funny yeah the thing for me is like at least eight minutes to know that you're gonna die is a really well, long. Four. Well, yeah, that's what I'm According saying. To Rob. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like eight minutes. They said like eight minutes, and they're always talking about like, can you imagine the terror bill? The eight minutes of terror, and I was like, well, four minutes of terror is definitely better. Um, you know. Well, they probably you know blacked like, out too from the G forces. So like, I, I'm assuming they probably were not conscious very long. Yeah, that's what I'm or, saying. Um, I was. You know. And and let me just quick. let me just settle this, you know, in case people the oxygen masks on planes. I'm pretty sure like Fight Club said that they were just to get you high and that they were kind of useless. Rob says they're even more useless than that because you're usually dead before they pop. So they're just right. they're just there for like psychological comfort. So like as the plane is falling out of the sky from like a mile up towards solid ground, oxygen masks pop out and you're like, oh thank God, we're going to live, we can breathe. Someone knows what's going on, but in on, in all honesty, like you're probably unconscious or like totally screwed by that point. Um, you know, like if cabin like a minor cabin depressurization happens, they might be useful. But in like a major crash, fuck it, don't even put the mask on. Just black out before you hit the ground, so you don't die burning in jet fuel. On to happier topics. Well, <laughs> this is such a lovely discussion. Uh... Yeah, I don't know if we should keep that whole thing in. Well, I, I think we should. I'm going to obviously pull out the ex- the insanely tasteless comment, but um, I think we'll leave the rest of it in. Because, you know, I don't know. What a shitty way to go. That, I don't, that's why I, I don't, don't want to fly. I feel like, it's I feel I like it would happen so quickly that either you wouldn't realize what was going on mm. or you would be dead before you were in like, much pain. I would rather, so. like, if we're going to Florida or Colorado or California, I would rather drive. And if the car breaks down, pay the, the repair fee or try and fix it myself or whatever, than get in a plane and fly. Just because, like, I like being in control or at least having the illusion of control. In a plane, you're just like, here we go, moving along, da-da-da, oh my fucking god, and then you're dead. 
in a car, you're like, oh shit, and it, at more least more people die in car accidents. I know, than die in as plane Superman crashes. told us, saving a plane crash. You know, like, all right, folks, don't let this put you off flying. Statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. That's a line from Superman. Oh, well, which is you know, that's where that's I learned. True, though. But yes, flying is statistically the safest way to travel. Um, but I would rather take my chances in a car. Okay. <laughs> um. Did you? I, I heard something kind of wild the other day that I thought you might think was cool. Um, some scientists have started. We're trying to. I mean, obviously, cancer, right? Very mm-hmm. bad. Cancer, not good. Cancer, the opposite of good. Right. Some scientists have started trying to fight cancer by injecting cancerous tissue with other diseases. They're like what? They're taking diseases like crazy fucked up diseases uh-huh. and shooting them into cancer to see what you know, kind of I as actually an experiment. Heard somewhere on Facebook, I think, mm-hmm. that somebody met a person and her daughter or something that couldn't get cancer because they had other really bad whatever. They there is one. Well, you know, Angelina Jolie just got her ovaries and, and fallopian tubes removed. Yeah. yeah. And was she get a double mastectomy too? Yeah, years ago. Double mastectomy and yeah, she has a rare gene that makes her 87% more likely to get cancer. This is also from CNN. But um they found a disease that's just fucking like scorched earth destroys cancer. HIV. What? If you inject cancer cells with HIV, cancer just fucking just destroyed, dies. It's apparently super effective. They've done a bunch of tests. Now the thing is, like, a lot of people are like, get HIV. Yes, but but HIV is not AIDS. That's important. Like a lot of people think like like, once precursor. Um, a lot of people think it's the trigger for AIDS, but they think like you know, like oh my god, you're gonna shoot AIDS into me to kill cancer, but it's not. It's HIV, which is different because. Given all the research that people have, that you know, scientists have done on HIV over the years, you can just take medicine. You know, like not like you know, take your spoonful of medicine as you go to bed. It's like a lot of pills and shit. But you can take a medication that will help you live with HIV. Apparently, I did a little bit of looking after I read this fucking crazy thing. You can ow. You can. Um, I feel like that would be like my last resort. You can live a pretty normal, like a a more or less normal life, just like more vitamins and be a little careful. You can live a totally normal, full life with HIV now because they've done so much to like help fight that, especially in the eighties when like, oh my the god, HIV, the big HIV AIDS scare. AIDS scare. Yeah. So like, HIV does not mean that you're going to get AIDS, right? It can, because it's, like, apparently one of the triggers. There is one wacky guy, one crazy scientist-y dude out there who says that AIDS is not caused by HIV. It's caused by partying. He says that, like, no one has taken... uh, What the fuck did he say? He was like, no one's taken into account that, you know, like, the gay community where HIV and AIDS is most prevalent, no one's taken into account that they're doing... Like, a lot of their scene is, like, partying. And they do a lot of meth, and they do like amyl nitrates, poppers, and like how that all those things devastate your immune system, so that like the drugs and the partying and the risky behaviors are what create a or what trigger AIDS rather than HIV. No one That's agrees. That's incredibly biased and stereotypical. Nobody agrees with him. Like it's he's like the Holocaust denier of AIDS research. 
I think, uh, yeah, Joe Rogan described him as, he said, he's like, I, he had him on his show and he was like, mm-hmm. I won't, he's like, I didn't argue with him because that's kind of like arguing with a Holocaust dinner. But yeah. So there, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think, the, do you think the gay community like parties and engages in more risky behaviors than like the average Joe? That's the dulcet sounds of our heater running in the background. Um, Shoot from the hip. Don't I, think. The, that makes the for interesting handful of gay men that I know mm. do kind of prove that true. Yeah, I was thinking about but, it too. The gay men that I know, like there is that whole, it's P and P, party and play. Which is that? But if, they're all fairly young. Yeah, too. That's true. So, well, I mean, some of the, some, a lot of people our age party. Yeah, but so yeah, and do yeah, drugs recreationally. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, it the, might just be a cultural thing. I think it could be a cultural thing, but you know, I don't know. I would love to have. I won't say his name, but I would love to have you know who on this show to talk kind of maybe about that. Uh huh. That would be awesome, right? But like, um. Like, I know a couple, I think I know, like, four gay men who have told me about, it, it's called Party and Play, it's, like, on Craigslist, it's P&P, mm-hmm. and it's in, like, personals, and there's actually clubs where this is, like, you go there to get people who are into this, where you do meth, take Viagra, and then, fuck. Woohoo. Right? I mean, oh, man, one of my friends accidentally took meth, like, a month ago. Accidentally thought took it was, meth. Thought it was coke, and they snorted meth, and they were like, "Oh my it was god!" Just oh. oh, I saw somebody the other oh, day. I was area. like, "You are a fucking meth head. <laughs> you look nasty as shit." Yeah, that it really does get to you after a while. It's not like anything, anything that you make by putting household chemicals over balls of tinfoil and then shaking in a Mountain Dew bottle. That's how you make meth? That's, a, I, I had the process described in full from start to finish to me like three days ago. Um, you take, it's like butane lighter fluid and some other household chemicals, and then you put tinfoil balls. Because the tinfoil creates the reaction? Yes. In a Mountain Dew bottle, and you like shake it. And every once in a while, you like add some more chemical, and you shake it until it becomes a certain color, and then you pour it out. And then you, oh, fuck. Anyway, it, you make it in a, like the the cheap, the quick and dirty way that people are making it around here now. You just shake it up in a fucking pot bottle until you get the right color and consistency. And then you like cook like it. What and burn off excess whatever? I don't know. And then you, I think after that you cook that to get the liquid out, and you're left with. No, you just, like, during the shaking process, you get crystals that form from the tinfoil and the chemicals. Are you shitting me? It's, or something like that, but, like, someone... I I cannot believe the shit that people put into their bodies, (laughs) and they're like, yeah, oh, this has lighter fluid and fucking, I don't know, gasoline. uh, Like, Sudafed, Sudafed, Sudafedrin or whatever, and, like, kerosene. Fertilizer, yeah, let's put that in my body. That sounds so fucking awesome. Right? I don't get it. I don't get it either. Even a little bit. But, uh, I don't know. I, (sighs) Like, I get soap in my eye, and I'm like, "Ah, the world is ending. Like, (laughs) um, yeah, I don't know, like, you know what spooks me a little bit is the stuff that they give you like doctors what doctors can give you like look uh-huh. every once in a while sure i'll smoke a little bit of weed and that's like super fun and i don't have much of a problem with acid and i think mushrooms would probably be cool 
But, like, outside of that, like, these people who are like, hey, man, do you, do you have any pills? Do you have any pills, man? You got any zit? Like, people, when, when I told people that it hurt my back and that I had, would they'd given me Norco mm-hmm. for my back, they're like, dude, I will buy, I will buy that. And, like, all Norco really does is just, like, fucking, like, knocks you out and makes you just sit there, like, so, like, the Norco's just knock you out, and I, I know that I know a lot of people who like to take a Xanax or take two Xanax and drink some wine, or and just who, zone out. Who take their yeah, their antidepressants. People are apparently like really into taking antidepressants and drinking wine because it like really affects the the it amplifies the effects, and they just sit there and are like, mmm, mmm, mmm. I don't know. Hardcore pharmaceuticals are way scarier to me than like than like weed or. Or whatever. Did we ever talk about? But anyway, end game. Did we ever is, talk about what? Did we ever talk about your opinions? How you felt about weed? I don't remember. Um, I'm pretty indifferent, to be totally honest. Well, like, okay, if someone like put like, we I mean, don't like legalize it, kids it or whatever. legalize it, don't legalize it, and put it in front of you. Legalize it. I don't give a shit. Okay. Cool. Smoke it. Build things with it. Use it for <laughs> build things with gasoline or build beautiful dreams. Um, no, I mean like you <laughs> No, can I know do... what you mean. A lot with hemp. Yeah. I know. I know. But um so yeah, HIV kills cancer, apparently. Oh. Would you do cool. that? Okay, so you're dying. No. Okay. You're in bed. You're dying of cancer. You have like ovarian cancer that's going to kill you in like Great, 6 months. Great. Thanks. Or whatever. You have brain cancer that's going to kill you Yay. in 8 months or 6 months. They're like you you have like 6 months to live. And then this other doctor from the back room's like Unless I'll give you HIV. What if I shot HIV into your brain? That <laughs> could save you. Would you do it? Um, maybe as a last resort. So, like, if they're like, it's <clears throat> you know, it's terminal. <clears throat> You're going to die. Like at that point, I'm like, fucking riddle me with HIV. Do it. <laughs> riddle. Riddle. Fucking <laughs> riddle me this. Riddle. <laughs> HIV. No, I would. I would totally. I would rather live with HIV than die of cancer. Well, yes. Duh. Right. Like, why would you? Apparently, this people is a are getting. Question. Yeah, people are getting kind of weird about it though. They're like, oh. How do you get the door open? I have thumbs. Hey. She uses like puppy magic or Come something. Here, puppy I don't magic. get it. <laughs> Come here, puppy magic. Say hi. <laughs> Good girl. That was Chinny's podcast debut. Are you need my nose now? So, uh, you've been working out hard. Yes. Speaking of partying and HIV <laughs> and drugs and cancer and death, I'm gonna close been, that door. Though you've been working out pretty hard, haven't you? Oh, uh, yeah. Bird is leaving. So, all right, Chin, get down. Go follow Mama. Follow her. I'm coming right back, you nutball. So, um, and she's you. So how you how you how you feeling? Talk about working bulky. out. Bulky. Talk bulky in a good way. Thick. Oh, that's see that doesn't sound good. Why are you whining? You were just. Well, so what's the problem? What's, but why why bulky and thick and bad? Well, it's quote unquote bulking season. Oh, you mean you feel so, okay when you say that? Do you mean you feel fat or do you feel like you're getting dude muscly? I feel fat. Okay, because why eat my her muscles are amazing. Bird has been doing like a lot of curls, like a like a lot of curls. I'm not talking like she's doing like the five pound curls that girls do sometimes, where they're like. "Eh, I saw a guy in there the other day doing curls of fifteens. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) you're so mean. Some guys, some guys just can't help it. But like you know, 
the, the girls were like, I'm going to tone these arms. Bird is going, she's doing 10, 8, 6, 4, for those of you who know shit about weightlifting. Is that what you're doing, 10, 8, 6, 4? Uh, for curls? Yeah, like, um, she's doing Zotmans, she's doing standing barbell, standing dumbbell, she's doing... I think it's just 10, 8, Concentration. Six. I am doing fours. Okay, well, that's probably why you haven't got that peak yet, Drop toss in that set of four. But no, she's, what's your max curl right now for... 25. You're doing curls with 25s? Mm-hmm. Right on. She's doing concentration curls, her arms looking great. You're doing squats, deadlift, mm-hmm. you do yeah. clean and press? yeah. Fucking, yeah. she's hammering out upright rows. So, we, like in the shower the bench other day. Bench press. And then bench press is awesome. Okay, let me let me fill you folks in on some two things. One, all the upright rows and back shit she's been doing. Like mm-hmm. she was in the shower yesterday and she was soaping up her hair, and like you could see her traps and you could see her scapular <laughs> muscles. Her rhomboids were kind of popping. Like her back looked like fucking like ripped up, and I was like, oh my god, my wife is so muscular. And the thing about the bench press that we've seen, oh yeah, totally, just like <laughs> right through my fucking underwear, just spreads like neek, and my fucking dick pops on my underwear. It's doing it again right now, literally. But um, <laughs> not getting hard, it's falling out of my underwear. <laughs> just, just in case that was awkward. I'm not just sitting here with a massive heart on telling like, you about this. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah, my underwear are just being un- uncomfortable. But uh, And the other thing is the bench press that bird's been doing she's like the upper pectoral muscles are really starting to like get defined and i've noticed that it's get like they're making my boobs look bigger her boobs are yep. looking bigger and also like perkier they're like lifted up sort of i think part of it's your posture as well because you're when you work your rhomboids with like bat wings and fucking heavy ass lifts like that your your posture your rhomboid is your posture muscles that's why they say people who do bench should always work their rhomboids so you don't get front heavy and slouch mm-hmm. if you work your rhomboids too it pulls your shoulders back pulls your tits up basically but yeah so birds birds boobs are looking really good these days boobs <laughs> so how's your uh so what do you have a do you have a plan or a goal or an end game or some sort of or just like, keep working out just until you're fucking get like, just totally strong house. um what is still working in flexibility and cardio? What, what inspired this? Like, okay, Bird, Bird's. I've known Bird for five, six years almost. She's, you know, she has always gone to the gym. She loves oh, running. Hey, honey. What inspired the lift? Like the, I'm gonna start benching. I'm gonna start uh, deadlifting, squats. I'm gonna do fucking like lifts. What inspired that? Um, I think it's something I'd always kind of played with. Yeah. In the past, but never been like. All right, sure, whatever. Let's, I guess, to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, lift like a dude. Right. Um, there's and there's it, the myth that if you lift like a a dude, you're like gonna dude, look guy lift. like a dude. Right. And it's not I true. Know, I, I, it's really I guess it's just sort of like, well, if I look like a man, fuck it, I look like a man. So yeah, but where but, did that come from? Where did that desire to to get fucking big come from do you have any idea like rather than like i want to be toned and i want to do pilates on a mat and there's nothing wrong with pilates i did pilates for my back injury and that is a good ab workout Um, but yeah i guess i just want to feel strong you i mean you've Um, always had a a real thing for like amazons amazon warriors sure that sort Um, of thing fucking she hulk oh thank you for all of this hair jessica walters um but yeah um I don't know. I was going to ask, like, are you, are you, is there a look you're going for? Are you going for the Amazon thing? How? Ah! How? 
Trent's clawing up Bird's feet. Um, no, there's not a look I'm going for. Since I started Derby. How do you feel um, about, well, is that a myth that you're trying to dispel, the dude lift thing? I mean, obviously, you only really have one voice, which would be the podcast. But are you, do you want to, like, okay, well, I've lifted a long time, and I always lift like a dude because I'm a dude. A dude. <laughs> but, um... If you want, if you're gonna, if you're anyone out there is afraid to do deadlifts and squats because they're afraid of looking like a dude or looking like too bulky and big. Mm-hmm. If you are, if you want to get big, you have to eat big. Most people can't put on that kind of crazy weight. The guys that you in the gym that you see who are like fucking just stacked, jacked, they eat tons of food. They eat so more food, food than most women probably could eat. Like, I'm not talking like pizza. I'm talking like they, because you've got to eat, you have to direct your eating. You can't just be like, oh, I, I eat a whole pizza though. I eat so much. Well, yeah, but that's junk. The people who are huge like that, they eat like a pound or more of rice every day. They eat like six to eight chicken breasts a day. You're such a dick. You know, they eat six to eight chicken breasts a day. They eat heads of broccoli every, every day. Like mm-hmm. you have to eat hard protein to, bars protein shakes and you have to eat you know, clean like, hard and cl- like most people cannot eat enough and eat well enough to get that big so mm-hmm. if you want to fucking do deadlifts and bench and all those like dude lifts that look like way more fun than like compound they YTL are raises super fucking fun it really gets it's, you to a like a in a kind of an aggro conan the barbarian kind of mindset which is fun right you're like oh that's well, why i, I, do I it. guess the biggest thing for me is i can do it right i you know like i'm pushing my body to do things that i never imagined that i could do i never imagined Mm. what are you eating just ignore her she's fine she's eating dust i (laughs) she's eating dust great she's gonna go throw up in 15 minutes um i never imagined that i could lift the amount of weight that i'm lifting i never imagined that i would feel so strong and what is the come at me bro <laughs> come at me bro yeah i guess um it has sort of lifting heavy mm. has sort of made me a gym snob yeah you're very you're hypercritical of almost everyone uh, around you now. yeah i see girls doing like the fucking donkey kick thing and i'm like what's this bullshit <laughs> Don- what's a donkey kick? You know, thing? like where you're on your hands and your knees and you like lift your leg up. Oh, that's um, well, to be fair, that's super good for your lower back and your glutes. That's whatever. That, I'd rather do squats and deadlifts. That got popularized because um, there was a video I can show it to you later. It's a bunch of girls doing exercises, basically like for your for your butt, and all of these girls have like the like like big booty you know what i mean like the perfect basketball genetically big or no all of these girls are like rail thin they look like they all look like like kind of creepy that's the fucking thing that's wrong with women's fitness they all look like pisses me they look like fitness models all but like the thing is like they're like rail thin 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 well defined tiny tiny skinny they're not like anorak they're just very very trim and they're really ripped you can see every ab you can see like striations in the pectoral muscles and shoulders they're like really fit but like once you hit the waist there it looks like half a basketball on either side but like perfect circles there's no like sag or droop or anything it's just like bump bump and then like thighs like 
thighs like mine or thighs like dude thighs, like big thighs and like shredded super V-cut calves. And there was a video of like a bunch of these chicks and like one of the exercises they're doing is the donkey kick thing. And when they do it, you can see which muscles it's working because like the their butt like flexes and kind of quivers and their lower back is like all striated out. So guys are just like, ugh. Yeah, it's basically like porn watching this video. It's like lifter porn, but um, I think a lot of girls watch that and they're like, oh, to get like that, all I have to do is donkey kicks. But it's not. You got to put in like two hours a day at the gym and you got to do cardio every day as well. Most people don't have the, the fucking the stick to itness to do that. I certainly don't. That's why I'm fluffy. But uh, yeah, what bugs me in the gym is the girls who are doing, they'll do like a set of like a, a single leg bridge with with dumbbells on a bench and a floor mat in the middle of the room and then they'll take a five to ten minute break talking to their friends you know what i mean right <sighs> yeah the like uh there was a girl doing leg raises on the what's it called captain's chair yeah and she'd do like a set of four or something, and then just stand there on the captain's on chair, thing, yeah. talking to her friend who's just sitting on this other machine, and they just sit and talk, and it was like 15, 20 minutes, and I'm waiting for the fucking thing, so I can do sets of 15, mm. and she's just over there, like, every so often doing a couple of them, and I'm like, are you fucking done? You should be doing sets of 20. Oh, okay. I'll do sets of 20. We're gonna jack those Whatever. Up. That was Bruce Lee's thing. Anytime you do an ab exercise, <laughs> he always would do four sets of 20 of it. And I find that, that that hits you pretty hard. Especially, do you do hanging leg raises yet? Or are you just Mm-mm. doing the captain's no, chair No, I haven't tried them yet. They're hard. It, it, it starts to challenge your forearms. And also, you have to yeah, really... I have weak little hands You have to forearms. really flex your abs. Because what happens is when your legs come down, you swing. Whoop! And then you get right. like swinging. But if you do them right, you're like... All, your whole body is engaged so hard that you can just raise your legs. Oh, it's hard. It's fucking hard. But man, that will just... <sighs> Anyway, uh-huh. yeah, that's what it will do. Um, let's go out on, on some entertainment. Uh, what have you been reading? You've been reading a lot lately. You just, I just finished, finished Neverwhere. Neverwhere. And I just started 1984. By George Orwell. Yes. What do you think of 1984? Holy fucking shit. Okay, what does that mean? Um, it's really depressing. It is really depressing. Why is it depressing? I mean, obviously, it's a little bit... Because I know from talking to you and you um, working with exchange students from China. Yeah. And um, the shit that goes on in in North Korea. Korea, That the stuff in 1984 is not science fiction. It fucking happens Mm. and is happening right now. And just, it makes me so sad Hmm. so sad so i don't know it's just like down with the government stop lying to us don't try to control us you know you should book i think it's already on your computer because i was looking at it on there Mm -hmm. disinfo.com oh it's so cool it's like a bunch of alternative news and like um, stuff you'd never see anywhere else and like there's some like mild very mild conspiracy theory type shit um, one of my favorite, I, 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 my, the newest conspiracy theory that I love is mm-hmm. there's a conspiracy theory that Lady Gaga is Jean Benet Ramsey. Who? You don't remember Jean Benet? 
Okay, nope. you see her on the tabloids all the time. She was a little girl who got murdered a long time ago. It's the little beauty pageant oh. girl. The beauty pageant girl with the flowing hair who mm-hmm. looks like a little china doll. She was like horribly... She looks creepy as fuck. Yeah, she was horribly murdered. Um, I wouldn't want to be haunted by her. Uh, but yeah, there's there's theories that Lady Gaga is JonBenet Ramsey and that she never actually died. She just grew up to be this like alternative monster princess thing. And of course they do the thing where they... What? They... They show all the physical evidence. They're like, well, look, if you look at her nose and the distance between her eyes and the shape of her eyebrows, it's like, you know, how you can match faces or whatever. Sure, but, I mean, does she look like her parents? Does she look like... It's total bullshit. It's utter bullshit. Like, it's... it's She's totally dead somewhere, right? Yes, JonBenet Ramsey is, like, dead. They had the body. They found the body and stuff. I don't know. Oh, they did? Well, yeah. Oh, I thought they never found it. I thought that's why she was so famous, because nobody ever found her. See, I thought she was famous. I don't know. Did Was that the one who disappeared? I thought. I don't know. I it happened thought, when I was like. Yeah, I thought that really she was young. famous because like her dad was supposed to have killed her or something. I'm going to have to look up JonBenet Ramsey. I don't, I don't know enough about this. Anywho, I thought that was kind of an interesting conspiracy. But, so you're reading 1984 right now. You loved Neverwhere. Loved it. Is yeah, I didn't think I was going to. I know, because I described it poorly. It's actually really hard to describe, right? Like, it's like magical realism, but basically, like, the homeless people are all, like, secretly part of another world. It's like a secret kingdom. It's very, yeah. But, like, when I described it, I was like, homeless people are, like, you know, living in another world, and it's all magical, and you're like, that sounds depressing. Sounds depressing. <laughs> I was like, no, but it's not. It's so fucking cool. It's, you know, Neil Gaiman pulls everything off. Right. I so, should have just trusted. Have you read all of his novels now? American know. Gods, Anansi yes. Boys, yes. Stardust, Ocean yes. at the End of the Lane, yes. Coraline. No. You haven't read Coraline? Mm-mm. Okay, I'm pretty sure I have Coraline as well. You should definitely read that one. Odd and the Frost Giants? No. Those are both young adult books, but they're very good. Uh, very good. Um, they look good. Neverwhere? Yes. Um, obviously. Obviously, because you just said that you'd read it. Uh, yeah, I think that's all the novels that I can think of. He has a bunch of children's books, but like Coraline... <laughs> Odd in the Frost Giants graveyard book? Yes. You did. So That's the little, the little kid in the graveyard. Yeah. Did you? Okay. Uh, That's and a long is time there ago. a reason that you're staying away? I have noticed that you seem to be staying away from his short story collections. Is there a reason? Um, no. I just would rather read, a, read something a big narrative. long and immersive. <sighs> I have been just crushing Stephen King lately. I've read. Oh, no, you just finished. Bag of Bones, seven hundred and like forty-eight a pages. Fucking book. Was it worth it? Oh, Was hell it worth yeah. all? Oh god, yeah. It's it's. Could he have cut huge chunks of it out of there? I and kept he, everything. He's through? he's often accused of overwriting, like writing way too much or going mm-hmm. on too long. But you know what? There's something about a Stephen King novel when you're reading it that just you don't care. You don't care that it's long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you love the long, luxurious pace of a good Stephen King. I think The Shining is the only Stephen King book I've read. That's really? Because, okay, you yeah. are the reason. I, I own, like, at least... He's written a lot of books. I own at least 50 or 60%. I have thumbs and magic! But, Dog magic. So, like, you know, I have at least 50 or 60% of his books because of you. You were like, here, read The Shining. And I was like, Stephen King... He's, he's one of those popular authors. I was I was in college. I was he's the reason that I Hi handsome. I defend popular novels now. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh, I don't oh. I only read literature." You know? I say read 
read what's good, and Stephen King is good. So I finished Bag of Bones. It was worth it. Um, if you've seen the television right. miniseries, Ow. you have probably you probably know the story. Uh, it's it's Michael Noonan. Oh. He's a writer. His wife dies of a brain aneurysm. He goes up to their cabin in the woods. There's all sorts of hauntings. He has to avenge someone who There's died. There's a lock on the door. How did I just fucking notice that? <laughs> I lock myself in here all the time when I'm jerking off. I don't want people Ew. to barge in. But, uh... If you've seen the television miniseries with Pierce Brosnan, you pretty much know the story. And then I just started, I was going to switch. I was going to read, like, some other author, you know? Uh But I was like, fuck it, dude. This will be the summer of Stephen King. And I just grabbed Christine and started reading, and Christine is also awesome. Oh, my God. I just had a brilliant idea. What? We get another mic, at least one other mic, maybe two. Okay. Play Cards Against Humanity on mic. Play cards, do a Cards Against Humanity episode. All right, yes. why not? Let's, Sounds let's, like fun. I think so too. Let's fucking do it. Um, okay, I'm gonna get more mics. I think like, what? like that or this. But yeah, that would be amazing. Oh my god, can you imagine? Be so much fun. Well, we can have up to four mics. So on this system, so that'd be oh. perfect. That would be fucking awesome. We can just. That'd be so much fun. Ah! All right, we I'll have ha- to do it at a different table though, bigger I'll, one. Yeah, I'll have to allocate some money to <clears> that. I think I can get <clears> two more mics for like a hundred bucks. Okay. Did we watch anything cool? Because I'll talk about movies all day, but I'm going to try and keep it brief so we can get out of here. Oh, uh, we already talked about Coven. We did talk about Coven. We talked a about... Um, I just bought the 10th anniversary... Or no, not the 10th. Where am I fucking... Jaws came out in two in 2005. Uh, I just bought like the... It's like the 20th or 30th anniversary. It's one of those giant anniversaries uh-huh. of Jaws. Might be 50th at that point. Can that be possible? Anyway... I just bought the the new you know the anniversary special edition of Jaws. Sixty five. No, I can't. Nineteen sixty five. It's not a sixties movie. It's got. I think it's an eighties movie. Anywho, I bought that, and it's like digitally remastered, so all of the color it, it doesn't look grainy or anything. It's not, it's better than the one you see on TV. The audio is really good, and I want cookies. Yeah, I know, and you have never seen Jaws. No. So I think what we should do is watch... You know what I would love to do with you? Because we've never done it yet. (laughs) Is we should... I would love to watch a movie with you and then do an audio commentary for it. It's a blast. Clue. Clue? You want to do it for Clue? I don't know. That was the first movie that popped in my head. It sounded fun. I would do it for Clue, sure. I really want to do it for Evil Dead. I think... The new one or the The new Evil Dead. Oh, Okay. I think we should commentary. Okay. Or do you want to... Okay, how do you want to do it? Do you want to watch Evil Dead so you can get it in your head? No, I know it. You know it well enough? Yeah, I think so. Do you want to do that tonight? Uh, we'll get one in the bank so sure. that we can get get ahead and not miss anymore. But, oh my God, I would love to do an Evil Dead commentary with you. If, you can, do you work tonight? I do not. <gasps> yeah, we have the whole day out together! Well, at 3 o'clock, Yay! I'm going to start doing stuff with Tyler for just a little bit. Right, because I was supposed to have been at volunteering. Yeah, I thought you were going to be at volunteering, so I kind of scheduled Sorry. that. It's okay. So, um, yeah, I'll just do that with Tyler for a little bit I'll just so we can get Marlon done. Take your Coles card and go shopping about it. Go for it. I don't stuff. fucking care. <laughs> and then it's not it's not real money. Me and Adam were talking about that yesterday. Uh, Andrea has a Coles card. Oh, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, we got to go pay off the Coles card. And then and he's like, like, oh, you too? I was like, oh, my God, dude. I racked up like 200 bucks on that thing. And he's like... And he's just like, oh my god, you know why it is? And at the same time, we're like, it's because it's not real money. It's because you can pick anything in that store that you want and just be like, well, I'm going to buy this. That's how they fucking get you. 
and then your bank account stays exactly the same, but now you have beautiful clothes. You, you pay for it later. Later. Duh! In the dark. Duh! In the dark, sad uh. blackness of the night. Oh, I probably should pay off my bills. All right, let's go get another cup of coffee and some cookies, and tonight we're going to... We are coffee. going. Tonight we are going to record an audio commentary <laughs> to Evil Dead. So that hopefully you'll... Oh, you can't eat popcorn. Yeah, you can. And eat snacks. Who cares? Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. They'll, um, um, they'll, they'll get lots of munchies. They'll, they'll hear popcorn. They'll hear ice cream spoons tinkling in our mouth or whatever. Tinkling? <laughs> well, you know, you're German, so. Hey. Hear ice cream spoons rattling around. Well, they'll hear the, the you know, requisite movie blowjob that has to happen. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, yeah, it's going to be a grand old time. So. Tune in next week. This might be a two-parter. I don't know how long it is, but uh, tune in next week for maybe the second part of this and the week after that, Evil Dead. Um, so I guess that's all I really got. So let's go fucking, let's go drink do coffee and eat cookies and do our day. Well, um, that was Chatman and Robin for this week. Uh, so I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bird. Holy podcast, Chatman. Chatman.